Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. This is my advice to you. And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. What's up, GoBundance? This is Jamie Gruber sitting in for Pat Hyben on the GoBundance podcast, and I'm happy today to be joined by none other than Travis Dillard. He is a CEO of a, of a telecommunications company, real estate investor, and of course, a GoBundance brother. Travis, welcome. Glad to have you here, man. Thanks. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Let's get into you. We were talking a little bit before, and I got a lot of interesting nuggets. I feel like we should have recorded that. There was a lot there, but uh, give me your backstory. Take us back to maybe you know where were you born and bring us up through today. Sure. I'm an Oregonian. I was born in Hillsboro. I moved to a small town called Hood River when I was about one. And um, Hood River, at the, in those days, in the late 70s, I'm 43. But in those days, it was a agricultural logging town, very blue collar. Yeah, just small town life. I um, ended up moving in with my dad when I was in middle school. You know, he's a, worked two shifts at the mill and you know, it was that sort of life, right? And and um, it was a good, it was a great life. You know, it was my best, my best buddy. Graduated high school in '95. I enlisted in the Air Force, and so I did four years active duty in the Air Force. Traveled to some beautiful places like Bahrain and United Arab Emirates, and spent my last year in in uh, Korea. I was in combat communications. Got out there at 22. Worked for some tech companies as a communications kind of technician, right, for networking and, and voice over IP, phone systems and those types of things. And ended up trying to start my, I say trying, right, started my first little company when I was uh, probably 20, 23 years old. And that, that failed miserably. And um, I learned a lot of really great lessons along the way and worked and then, but while I did that, I actually had to move into the sales world. So I got out of the tech space because I realized like the phone doesn't ring. You actually have to pick up the phone and make calls and, and, and drive business or B2B company. And so I kind of stayed in the sales world, sales management for other companies, and then I went to work for a company called Inflow Systems in 2006. I wasn't the owner. I was just a sales guy. Previous owner ran that to the ground, completely insolvent. So I, there was just a handful of comp, uh, employees. So I took the company. I didn't say I took it over. We reincorporated, hired the employee, cashed out my life savings of $25,000, and then borrowed against my condo that I lived in, $25,000. $50,000 covered basically half a payroll for some of the employees that we, we kept on. We reincorporated. Everybody went home and started working from their house, and it allowed us to meet some of the obligations to our customers, sign new 
support contracts, et cetera. Anyway, we grew that company. Um, I did that. I took it over in 2009, essentially, or reincorporated and brought the customers and employees in. And we grew that um, over the last 11 years to a $20 million company, over $3 million in EBITDA nationally. We did that through organic growth, as well as we, we made acquisitions in California and Texas. Anyway, so had a, lot of, had a lot of success, a lot of bumps along the way. My business partner died um, along the way, and so that was a challenge. But in the end, we just had a real successful exit. We actually sold 80% of the business to private equity in December of 2020. Um, had a really great outcome, great valuation. Um, I'm still the CEO of that company. I've rolled you know, some of my equity into that company. And um, you know, we're having a lot of success. And we'll do this for the next three to five years and perhaps do it again. That's what private equity does, right? To make, take the second bite of the apple and, and make more money. All along my life, I've been invested in real estate. We can talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, just... Uh, everything from spec houses to to land banking to commercial real estate to single family condos, small plexes. Um, really didn't know what the hell I was doing most of that time until a couple of years ago. I really started going up market with multifamily, did some apartment building investing, and, and then mobile home parks. That's really where I spend the bulk of my time is in manufactured housing and mobile home park communities. And so on the side of Inflow, I have Cadia Capital, which is um, an investment company. We go out and we, we take down properties and we have asset managers and we raise capital and, and manage the managers. And, and we've had a lot of success with that. I have a business partner with that um, who's actually just joining GoBundance. His name is Mitchell England. He's a great dude. Um, nice. We should yeah. reach out to him. But um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Between investments that I have or partners that I have right now, we have about 400 units across. I'm investing with my GoBros, investing with Kadia. So I'm kind of wearing the investor hat on the Kadia side, redeploying funds that I, I got from the sale of my company, as well as we have some equity partners. So yeah, it's been really successful and a lot of fun. How wow. was that? Was that three minutes? There, there <laughs> is a ton to unpack. I'm going to try to do this as succinctly as possible, but a couple of things. You, when did you take over? You said 11 years. Is that around the time that you took over Inflow? Is that when you, you, you acquired yeah. it or was it a few years before that? I went to work for Inflow Systems in 2006 yeah. as a salesperson. And then, um, and then in 2009, of November of 2009, that's when you know, the, the wheels flew off and the thing blew up. And so that's when I, that's when I reincorporated as Inflow Communications, Inc. Because um, there was a lien on all the assets. So I couldn't take the name, the phone number, the website or anything. Hired a few, like two or three employees that were there. Um, and then going, I had, went out hat in hand to the customers. And some of them paid like money for phone systems the fifty thousand dollar deposit that was then burned by the previous owner. So I had to come right. out of come out of pocket and make it right with those people. But yeah, it was two thousand nine. All right. And when did you decide to go virtual? Was it right at that time? Yeah, it was that a necessity? <laughs> so we the, the office was getting. I mean, we had to leave the office, right? We had to vacate, and so we all you know set up shop at home. And and um, one of my employees, he lived in an apartment, set up all the servers in his on his like coffee, his dining room table, and. We went virtual that way and we got more sophisticated over sophisticated over time. But yeah, we we stayed virtual the whole time. So we grew, you know, we have about seventy employees now and, and we stayed we have employees well, across fourteen. Talk states. about being opportunistically ahead of the curve though. I mean, so now you're <laughs> selling your company, you're exiting or well, you know, to an extent. I mean, how much did that lean into the fact that you had systems and processes and a world and a culture built around virtual? Did that impact them? I'm sure it did. You hit it. How did that impact your ability to exit? It was really, it was, it was, yeah, it was actually a great question because I remember when we started working with our bankers in like 2018 preparing for it, I asked that question, is this going to be a problem? Because yeah, people are going to have a problem with it. And, you know, fast forward to, to 2020, 
and people are, yeah, I mean, it's the, the ability to build a company with the right cultures and the systems and the technology, you know, the tech piece is like Zoom and this is like half of it. The rest is how do you, do, how do you build culture and teams and the right people? And we're, we're pretty maniacal about culture and that's really why we're successful. But that, and we're also in the business of helping companies move to the cloud and digitally transform their businesses. So we were just kind of in the right place at the right time. I'd love to say I planned that, but no, it was, that was, man, you should. that was it's, it's better soundbite. Yeah, I was just yeah. way ahead. I was thinking like yeah. Steve Jobs. You mentioned organic growth, and maybe this is because I don't know your space, but I, I wanted to ask this question. What does that look like, and what is the opposite in your space of organic growth? Is, you know, what does that look like? Um, when I, yeah, so I'm talking about organic or inorganic, you know, inorganic being M&A. So we made acquisitions as we grew. Organic growth is, I guess, you know, to, to sum what we did, we, we figured out that there was a lot of orphaned, troubled customers out there by other competitors. We knew why. There was reasons for it. That's a whole different podcast. And so we built a national sort of managed services practice around that and then a, a national marketing program around thought leadership, um, search engine marketing, you know, knowledge portal, et cetera, et cetera. And we just grew rapidly that so the organic piece was not was we actually grew faster organically than we did to our inorganic growth nice no that's great I, that's that's a good perspective i just wanted to kind of uh, there was a couple check boxes on there i wanted to go through going back a little further uh you joined the air force i don't maybe you just skipped over it but was college in there as well or are you are were you just air force right into your own business oh good great question yeah so i I got out. I I got out of the uh, high school. I graduated high school at eighteen in Oregon. You don't really understand the military. You don't under for those people that under that are in you know the, that have been in the military or are in. You understand the enlisted and the officer ranks. I got in and I thought, oh crap! Like I should have become an officer. Like I'm getting my ass handed to me, and people are calling this guy sir and saluting him. And and so I decided I'm going to make the military career. I'm going to, and I'm going to become an officer and I'm going to get my degree. So I never took my SATs or anything in high school. So I started going to night school and then I would deploy for six, seven months at a time. And I would take all my correspondence courses. So I'd, back in those days, I'd pack VHS tapes on pallets, right? When we deploy into the desert, we'd set all of our communications up and then you just babysit it 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So I'd take a full course load. So I actually got out of the military with a bachelor's degree through Embry-Riddle. Wow. At 22, and then that degree has done absolutely nothing for me in my career. But it was nice to get. I guess on the it's on the it's on my shelf here. It looks great. It looks fantastic. I was gonna. Well, the reason I was going down that path, it's interesting you skipped over. Whether you have one or not is is irrelevant. I don't have mine. But for yeah. you, it was more of a question of like, what do you think that is? Because I hear this from you, a lot of other guys in the group, a lot of entrepreneurs. Where they, I was just talking to my wife about this, the value on education, school education, you know, formal education. I don't know. Talk a little bit about that for you. What was the experience? Why, why did you not even think maybe initially to go to college right into the military? Was it just, I don't want to do this anymore? Did you, did you have some foresight at that age that you didn't see how it served you? Just talk through that a little bit. I'm always interested in each entrepreneur's yeah. take on formal education. Man, that's a beer conversation. I think a lot of higher education is great. I think a lot of it's a freaking scam, but I, I just didn't have any money. Right. I mean, I had no money. I came, I know I, I, I came from a real middle, not even middle class, probably maybe a little upper middle, lower class. I don't know. Uh, I didn't have any money. So the, the, but, but, you know, you're, you're taught by everybody your whole life. You go to college, you go to college. That's what you do. You go to college, you graduate college, you, and then you go get a job, become a corporate slave, give all your money to the half your money to the government. What's left, give to wall street, you know, right. I could go on about like, it just boil, makes my blood boil, but I just went in because I thought that's what I had to do. That's why I joined the military for college. And then when I got in, I thought, well, I don't want to, I want to be an officer. That looks really cool. 
And so that's, that's, that, it, there's nothing more sophisticated than that answer. And then I, four years came up and I was like, well, this is, I need to get the hell out of this. I'm not doing a, a, a full career. And then, no, no offense to the military, but it just wasn't, no, no, it, it no. wasn't for me. Yeah. I get it. And I appreciate your services as, as many of us do, right. but no, it was just an interesting backstory. I was kind of curious about that. Cause I hear that from a lot of folks. I right. just had uh, Osborne on this podcast and he was talking about oh, well. the same thing, like just value of education. Entrepreneurs tend to not really see much value in, in school. And I just, I love hearing different would, perspectives on it. I would, count, I would say like college was, I look at like the reading and writing skills and the articulation skills that I had prior to college. And I was damn near illiterate. So I would say probably college was really good and, it was great for me to just sort of mature that way and, you know, critical thinking and stuff. But yeah, that's, that is great. You can get that in other places, right? I, you know, who's teaching business classes in college? People that didn't succeed in business, right? They're, yeah. they're a professor. So most of the time, sorry if I'm offending any. My wife's the academic and I told her, I, I think I was in school, I was in college and I lost it when I was in a class. I forget what it was, some literature class. And somebody straight face quoted LL Cool J with word is bond, like as a, as a Shakespearean reference in some way, shape or form. I have no idea how they did it. I'm like, I, I just, I was too immature. Maybe I just don't get it. I can't be here. This isn't my place. I'd rather go make money. I'd rather go make money doing something. So Amen. Yeah. to each their own, right? To each their Absolutely. own. Yep. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, well, let's dive into your one sheet, the baseball card of your life. We're going to go through each pillar, starting with horizontal income. So what currently is your yearly horizontal income and how many lines of income is that? Yeah, um, horizontal income is about thirty-three thousand a month. A little, a little north of that. I mean, that ebbs and flows a bit, but about four hundred k a year. And a lot of that's sort of relatively new. Is I've sold the company and I'm deploying capital into real estate investments and have private notes and things like that. So about nine, nine lines of income on the horizontal side. How do you count those nine? Is it per property or is it properties in one LLC? Like, what are those nine? Just you know, yeah. every one. But how yeah, do you do per that? per property per private note. So. Because if one property, I mean, that's in my mind, that's the way you're diversifying. You have, you know, one property might sell and pull, bring cash back in, but you still have other lines of income. No, makes sense. What's your horizontal net worth ratio as of right now? Since I did just sell my company and I'm, you know, pretty heavy in other areas right now, it's about just under 3%. So yeah, net worth is My net worth is about 14 and a quarter. Yeah, kudos yeah. to you, man. That's great. That's awesome. Nothing, nothing at all to be uh, to be shy about. It's an incredible uh, accomplishment. What percentager are you right now? I'm a um, yeah, I'm 133 percenter. So my yeah, roughly. Very cool. So let's let's talk about the net worth in real estate. What how your assets break down? Like how does your net worth break down? Real estate, private companies, and other asset classes that you might be in right now. Yeah, great question. Um, my um, my real estate. I'm, I'm my passion is real estate, so this is going to go up probably. But I'm about thirty eight percent real estate. Okay. Of my net worth about just shy of eleven percent, ten point six percent as the equity role of my private company inflow. So I still have a decent amount of net worth in that. And then I I, I had a had a crap load of cash, so I needed to do something with it while. I'm deploying it. So we're doing like, you know, into real estate. So right now about 28% in stock and bond. This is 
brand new. So I'm working with KeyBank, which has been great. They're national. They've got family wealth guys. But of that, you know, I just deployed it. It's about, it's pretty bond heavy right now. Um, I've not done a lot. You know, I've got some in 401k and stuff, but I've I'm about 60% bond, 40%, probably more conservative stocks. My mind's just, you know, how do I curb against inflation and the devaluation of the dollar? What's cool about Key, though, is that I can set up a line of credit against what's happening in the market. And I can borrow against my own basically equity and stocks and bonds at like 2.6%. So then I can take that and deploy that out for various, various things. So I really can, I thought that was a cool way to approach. Can you dig in a bit more on that? Uh, there's a few percentage points we've left on the table. My, my brain is going mm -hmm. to, okay, I think I've added up to like 88%. There's a few percentage points. We'll cover yeah. that. But can yep. you dive in a little bit on that strategy you just mentioned? And maybe, maybe like my brain heard it. You might've explained it and I skipped by it. Uh, like my brain was processing it, but you said uh, a pretty hefty bond allocation at, at you. Uh, just talk to me about that strategy a little bit more. Like why that, why bonds at this point, you know, versus just, you know, kind of being aggressive and going all in on, on whatever this market run-up looks like. That's a great question. Cause I battled with that for quite some time. I've gone back and forth. I was 50, 50 balanced. I was 60 equities, you know, 40 bond. And this is philosophical and people, yeah. you know, I'm 43, I've got plenty of time left. I, I, I feel that a lot of the sort of the, the more risky side of my portfolio is in real estate, although it isn't because it's high cash flow, high debt, you know, high debt service coverage stuff. I think what it came down to is, is um, and maybe it's wrong, but it, it's, 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 I feel like the market's a little hot, a little too hot. And um, I feel like being a little heavier in bond, which is basically like cash it. I mean, there is some yield there and I'm not a bond expert by any means, but I feel like it's just a, it's more just conservative to perform to preserve what I have. And then I feel like if I can borrow against that and I can grow my real estate portfolio, then I can get my money working in two to three different places at the same time. That's brilliant, man. And look, I, you know, it's funny you said it. I like what you said. And it's a lesson for me and for a lot of people is it's just what I'm comfortable with. I remember Hyben, uh, Pat Hyben on, on something we were doing was asked, should you pay off your mortgage? And I was expecting him like, cause he's such a financial guy to say, mm -hmm. absolutely not. And he didn't hesitate. He goes, yes. And they're like, oh, well, why? He goes, eh, just nice to have a paid off mortgage, right? And I saw this other fairly prominent real estate investor recently do a post on Facebook about paying off his car. He's like, it doesn't make sense. It's not the financially prudent move. I just don't like having a car payment. So well, can I take yeah. the cash and apply it elsewhere? Yes, but I just don't like the car payment. Go ahead. Well, I'm going, I'm dealing with that same dilemma too, you know, with my, my primary residence. And we just bought a vacation house with cash and I'm, and I'm trying to figure that out too. Like, I literally, I'm starting the process to put debt on it because I get it at 30 year AM at 2.6%, not even AM, it's like 30 year note right. at 2.6%, right? So it's, it's tough for me. So I think my, I'm always like, you know, I, the dad, which is the crazy side, the mom, which has always been the conservative side. So I'm like, well, what's the blend? Okay, well, maybe I just keep my LTV under 60% on stuff, right? And then I deploy that capital elsewhere. So, but yeah, by no means, I don't have these hard and fast rules that, you know, I feel great by it's been, a, especially this transition over this last year has been a lot of sort of soul searching on, and that's kind of why I went heavier on bonds because I'm going to have a line of credit against that. I'm going to be deploying that into real estate. And so I figured, well, let's go a little bond heavy, just really more pre preservation of capital. I think I've worked too Makes damn sense. hard for too damn long to, it, to, yeah. to get, and I, I'm, I also have sort of like these, 
I'm a little tainted on the equities market, right? Because I'm in the tech space and I see these CEOs that run these companies into the ground, get their parachutes, they balance. And I'm just like, yeah, stock. I've never been like a stock guy. I'm kind of a Kiyosaki mindset. And so um, that's probably where I'm like, let's let's get it to work because it's been in cash for the last few months, which has been driving me nuts. Yeah. But let's make it a little more bond heavy. But I can, you know, they're they're estimating a net of fees, you know, between the bond and equity yield, like a six percent, which is to me that's great, better yeah. than what I was getting. And if I can borrow against that and go deploy it into assets that deliver, you know, ten to twenty percent cash on cash, fifteen plus in the mobile home park space, and makes sense to me on the You're triple on the dipping too. essentially in that regard, which yeah. is great, right? You're leveraging yeah. your money three different ways. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the sleep at night standard, right? At the end of the day, you want to be able to sleep at night. That's that's what you you know. So for me, this is what I'm comfortable with: paid off vacation home or you know low mm-hmm. leverage under sixty percent LTV. Fine, whatever works for you. It's the sleep at night standard. I like that. Yep. Let's round out the remaining twelve percent. Mm-hmm. What else is what else is in your net worth? Well, so I say I make sure my math is right, but I uh, I don't think I get it wrong. Thirty eight percent is in um, real estate, 10.6% is in um, private companies, 28% is in stocks and bonds. Where are we at? I don't know, 48 plus 28, that's 50 plus 30. Oh, 38, oh yeah, 30, yeah. And so roughly 9% in cash and you have 15% in private notes. So. Got it, okay, perfect. All right, yeah, we'll-, we'll See, we'll I didn't skip math that. class in college, it came in. That, yeah. Cool. So we got that debt to net worth. I uh, don't worry. I'm not worried about that percentage we talked about. Cool. That's it. We'll move on to the next category. All right. Let's right. talk about age defying health. How much do you weigh? Give me your height too. That gives me context and mm-hmm. body fat percentage. Yeah, I'm about, I'm sure I'm a little guy. I'm four, six and a half, four, five, six and a half. And I weigh about 168 pounds. So I have always been more, you know, a little stockier. So my body fat percentage, I don't know what exactly what it is, but I would say it's probably in the 15%, you know, 15 to 17%. I can improve upon that. I just like pizza and I like beer. So okay. that's, that makes it tough. You're not as much. I'm a rum and coke guy, but I'm very similar. 5'7", 160 ish. So not too far off of uh, you. I'm a little guy as well. Not 4'7", like you were 4'6", yeah. but 5'7". So talk about daily diet. Is it pizza and beer every day? No, no. I'm about 80% clean Monday through Friday. So I try and also do more plant-based. So like my Monday through Friday is pretty regimented. And so I try and keep it plant-based and, and pretty clean. But, you know, like last night, oh, you want to grab some pizza? Sure. Oh, you're at pizza. Let's have a beer. So I, that's in it. My diet is the, I work out too, a lot and I work out too hard to just kind of screw it off with that. So that's, that's a nemesis or some an Achilles heel of mine. I feel you. I feel you. I, uh, the weekends can be, can be like last night, same thing. It was like, ah, you know what? Why not get ice cream, right? Like we've already eaten right. bad for dinner. Why not get the ice cream on top of it? I try to avoid sugar, but I'm with you on that. It's tough. So you mentioned a tough exercise. What does that look like? What's your exercise routine? I've always been into fitness. So what I do now, I, you know, I used to do a lot of heavier weights when I was like, young and stupid with bad form. And so I have some back issues because of that. But now it's more, I, do, I pretty much alternate. I'll try and get five to you know, four to six days a weekend and I'll alternate. So one day I'll be strength. And really what I've been doing, I do a lot of push-ups and pull-ups, just a lot of variation. So actually I'll do circuit training between like wide grip pull-ups and narrow grip and underhand and push-ups and I'll mix and I'll cycle core into that. And I keep a pretty, keep it uh, cadence pretty high to keep my heart rate up. I'll do that for about 45 minutes. And then um, the alternate days, I love mountain biking. I'm in a, like a mountain biking mecca here. So I have Peloton and I'll do like a 30 to 45 minute hit 
ride, but, uh, but it also includes weight. So I can sort of get more of the bicep, tricep, shoulder stuff in. But then now that the weather's getting better, I'll, I'll get out and mountain bike. And, and I'm, my goal is to try and get yoga in later on in the day, uh, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, three days a week. I so. like it. Uh, you said, I mean, it's funny. My, I, I smirked a bit. You mentioned about your diet, you know, liking pizza and all that. And then you mentioned I'm into fitness. You, you've heard the joke, right? Like you just kind of set up the joke. I'm really into fitness. Yeah. Fitness pizza in my mouth. No, you never heard that. <laughs> no, I heard that. That's great. So that is yeah. you. That's how I'm going to remember you from now on. last night. Yeah. <laughs> who doesn't like pizza, man? Jeez. How do you, every, how do you, right. Yeah. Agreed. If everyone listening, yeah. you can have that one. <laughs> yeah. That's a great one. All right. Let's talk about your family a little bit. You mentioned uh, before we started recording, you're married. Tell me about wife, kids, mm-hmm. anything like that that you have going on. Yeah. I have, um, I have a wife. Um, she's a real estate agent, which I'm finding out a lot of wives on, on in GoBundance are real estate agents. And she's a, she's a badass. She has a team here in the Hood River and we're about an hour east of Portland. Everybody's vacating Portland because Portland's a SHIT show. And so so she's crushing it. And I have a, a young, I have a five-year-old daughter named Henley and a six-year-old son. Very cool. Wow. Close, huh? You're, we've knocked them out. 15 months apart. Yeah. The first one was planned. The second one, that was uh, the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl and it was more, yeah, is that a, we were trying to quelch our, or subdue our depression. Hopefully she doesn't game. listen to this podcast for a long time, make, you know, until she's past teen years. And Best you know, mistake ever. Best mistake ever, right? I was a mistake. I have a, my older sister is 17 months older than me, and I have a twin sister. So, you know, I have a, you know, my, my parents had three kids in diapers, so. Yeah. yeah, I was years after the last second kid. So I think I was, my mom calls me a miracle. I think code for mistake, I think so. Right, nice there you go. Her, yeah. <laughs> well, how about on your one sheet? What does your life happiness index look like? I would say, you know, this is going to, it's not, it's not high. It, it's seven probably is where I'd, you know, seven and a half. And, and um, the primary reason for that, a couple of reasons. One, I've been so just charging hard my whole life. And I, you know, everything I've ever done initially started out of competition. Like I'm going to like, right. Yeah. I can't pay for college. Well, watch this, you know, Oh really? I didn't, I'm not, a, I didn't get the trust fund. We'll watch this, you know? And, and that served me well through my twenties and thirties. And now it's, it's, a, now it's just like, I don't know how to turn it off. And so it's hard for me to relax. It's hard for me just to turn it off, shut it down and really relax that. And so that ties into sort of my, my relationship and my family. Um, I want to be more plugged into family. I want to have more free time. I want to enjoy life more. Right. And I've just, I've, I've, I have to like be very mindful about that. And I think the other thing that's tying into the seven too, is, you know, you, you work, I've planned on building a company and selling it my whole life. And I finally did it, you know, and, and it's like, you know, what happens in your dreams come true and it's not quite like you thought, and it's not a bad thing, you know, but it's the same. And I think the fact, I always had this vision that I was just going to sell the company and be done and like go kite surf and it was going to be great. Well, I'm the CEO now and now we're doing more acquisitions and we're, and we're busy and I've got a, I've got a private equity and I've got a board. And so it's like, I've kind of, I've just struggled a little bit through a little bit of depression kind of thinking through like, well, this isn't quite how I, I envisioned what this life changing event would be, but I'm working through it. Yeah. You're at this point of trying to define the next level. I heard somebody talk about this. Like when you have a goal, often when you achieve that goal and you don't have a goal lined up behind it or something that you're, you know, the next thing to aspire to, you just said it. It's sort of like, okay, now what? But you know, I I would bet that you're a guy that's probably incapable of like retiring to a beach somewhere and just 
riding no. out life on my ties. So you're just trying to find that next sort of passion play, whatever that's going to be. It sounds but, like. And I even know what that is. It's investing right, in right. mobile home parks and building Kadia capital and building oh, the real estate side out. It's just like, but this, you know, the CEO thing, hopefully the board isn't listening right now. It's a CEO thing, you know, that, you know, and I love, I love that part of it too, but it's just like, you know, it's just it's a bit of soul searching. And a lot of people are probably thinking, Oh, boohoo, really boohoo. But you know, it's, I'm just being honest. That's the, that's the, you know, at a different level, you hear about like athletes who feel pressure from making 50 million and, you know, we would always laugh at them, but it's, you're still human. There's a, there's a pressure yeah. to that, you know, internally you feel what you feel. And we talked about me exiting my job and that's exactly what it was. It just, there was a hollowness, you know, I make a good income. I could ride it out. I could slug through. I mean, I'm good at what I do, but it's just time to make that next leap. And for me, I know that, you know, at 85, me looking back is not going to say, man, I wish you would have just played it safe and kept doing the same thing. They would say, yeah. why didn't you, you're only in your early forties, same age as you 42. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you just take a leap? Like you were 42 and plenty of time to recover if something went sideways. So see, but it's tough for me because I don't, I don't need the salary. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't need that. And so it's, it's tough for me to, and I've done it my whole life. I've been in communication since I was 18. So it's, I'm ready for a change, but I can't, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm just, you know, there's, I'm not going on, you know, private equity, they'll sell us again. And I won't be a part of that transaction. That's probably like three years or yeah. two and a half years. And so will I just exit out of the CEO role, move to the board before that? There's a good chance. Probably. Interesting. Okay. I haven't had that conversation with my private equity bosses yet, but you know, thinking about it. Thinking about, thinking about it. it. Yeah. No, no one would, uh, would fault you for that. It's a, it's a reasonable thing to think about. All right. Let's talk about contribution. What, uh, what is your give back ratio or if it's easier, just kind of, what are your, what are your contributions per year and where do you spend mm -hmm. that? This is an area I can improve upon. I've not been a great giver. I would say last year I was a 4% contribution guy. I would say since then I've, I feel better as a, I've, bigger, big goals around that. And I've already established, I've already met all of my um, contribution goals for 2021. I've funded all my nieces, my kids and my nieces and nephews college. So um, to me, that's like more meaningful than giving it to like some nonprofit, you know, or the CEOs. That's you know? amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, we had this conversation about college, right? But I was like, yeah. how can I help these, you know, cause they're all from this small town and their parents don't have the resources to, and I'd like, I didn't have. And so I just feel like, checking that box for them, regardless of what direction they go is, is really critical. So I wanted to do something creative, like, well, let's buy all you all houses and you have to manage your rental properties and I'll read this Kiyosaki book. And I was like, ah, I just fund the 529 plans. And, but it meant a lot to him. Like, cause it really, it's almost more for my sisters, right? Because they've really stressed out about being able to provide for their, their kids. So, so I feel better about my contribution. I, I would. That's an, that's a, just cause it's not a, a deduction or a tax write-off per se, you know, it's not like, like you're yeah. donating to an actual charity doesn't mean it's not, it's not contribution. That's incredible. It's a, you just set up a generation potentially for, yeah. you know, another way to your point, you know, college, whether we love it, don't love it. We had our conversation at the beginning, kind of mocking it a little bit, but for some people, it is a pathway for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It is a pathway out of whatever they know and they get exposure to something much bigger than where they are. So that's an incredible gesture on your part. I just want to make sure, you know, you get honored for that. That's amazing. So. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the least I could do, you know, they're great kids and my sisters are great, you know, so yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's talk about accountability. Who is in your GoPod? You actually have an epic GoPod. So why don't you tell everybody who's in your GoPod? I've got uh, David Downs, uh, Luther Hagen, Nigel Gessinger. Did I get that? Shane, oh, Shane Swanberg, Swansburg. So yep. Yep. Swanberg. very cool. Sorry. Pod. We, Sorry, had Luther, we had yeah. Luther. 
<laughs> we had Luther on not long ago and he talked a little bit about your pod and we'll get into that in a sec, but just tell me kind of yeah. how often are you meeting and what are you discussing currently? Yeah, we're pretty religious. We do a, a Monday morning, eight o'clock Monday morning meeting. And it's all been, I mean, it's been virtual up to this point. Um, they actually, everybody else in my pod except me, my, my wife was freaked out by code when it first happened. So I stayed home, but they all went to, Lu- to Luther's place. Um, they called it Hagen's Haven, his, his lake house and had a blast. So, and we're actually getting ready to go to Puerto Rico. I am going on that this month. Towards the end of this month, we're all going to go down and mastermind with David down in Puerto Rico. So I'm, I'm really excited Very for that. Cool. And yeah, well, we're, you know, what we're talking about, a lot of it's just check-ins and, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and what's kind of been cool with our pod, though, is we're starting to uh, do business together. So I was going to ask you about. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the whole pod went in on a 91-unit apartment building um, that, that, that um, David and Nigel are sort of sponsoring. Um, I think Luther found it, though. Luther's a maniac. He's like, I don't know. That, that guy has so much energy. I've, I've never experienced anything like it. And so we all went on that. And then I'm personally investing on a, in a uh, I think it's like a 52-unit with, um, again, Nigel and David found it. And are, I'm just sort of a kind of a passive investor, JV, on that. Um, and then Luther... On the other side, he actually went and found a mobile home park for Cadia. And so he came in as an investor for Cadia, Cadia Capital, our investment mm-hmm. group, um, on this mobile home park in North Carolina. And we're about ready to close on another one in North Carolina that, that we found through a wholesaler that a Luther's coming in as an equity partner. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. We'll, our proximity. For that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's incredible. Wow. All right. Let's jump over to Bucket List Adventures. What uh, trips for GoBundance, if any, have you been on so far? Sorry, guys. Zero. But going to be Puerto Rico soon, though. That's a good bunch. Well, that's, that's with my pod. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely going to be going to the the, the I, I've missed. I've, I've wanted to go on these these trips more than anything. But you know, we I've, I I live in my hometown now, and I've got older family, so my parents are here. So I've just been I've been pretty conservative on travel ish, sure. but I'm over it now. So I'm going to Puerto Rico, and I'll be in, I'll be be going to the next um, go abundance trips. Nice, so, good, and see you in Colorado then. Yes, absolutely. I love, it. I love yep. it. That's awesome. How about some of your past greatest hits? What are two, three of your past greatest hits? Oh, I wrote this down here. Past greatest hits. I that's more bucket list, right? Like sure. live life big. It's not like selling your company, which is huge. But well, that is big. Like, that's living big. Sure, that's a big hit. Yeah, whatever you I want to say. Do. Yeah, that. Um, you know, traveling. Um, a couple few years ago, I went to with my buddies. We did Rome and Spain, Italy and Spain, which was cool. I love traveling. I haven't done it as much. As I like to do more of it. I did an Australia trip many, many years ago. We just bought a vacation house in Palm Springs, which is, if you know the Northwest, it gets gray and nasty here. So two-hour flight, and we got a really cool house on a 25-acre man-made lake with an electric boat that we can have cocktails on. It has a pool and a hot tub. And, and so I've, you know, I've just never done anything like that. And so um, I'm ex- I'm, I would say that's, that's recent for me. Amazing. Now that's good. What's coming up? What's the next three greatest hits that you're going to have? Something that's really important to me, again, as soon as I can get the green light with COVID, um, I'm a big history, World War II history guy. And I know my dad's a Vietnam vet who's a Marine. And so we both share sort of mil- you know, mi- military interests and stuff like that. And I want to take him on a Band of Brothers tour to Europe. So we hit, we hit Normandy and you go to Bastogne and Berlin and so I want to do that with my pops. You know, I offered him like, Hey, do you want to go back to Vietnam? He's like, nah, nah, decided I'd never want to go there again. So that, and, um, I want to, I also want, I'm, I've learned to kite surf. So I live in hood river, which is a, like a probably 
close to Maui, one of the top kite surfing places in the world. And so um, I learned how to do it last summer. And so I want to go on like a kite surf, like a two, like a month kite surfing vacation, like Turks and Caicos or some Aruba or somewhere cool. I was just tr- sort of thinking these things off the top of my head. I know you said three, but I got two more. I really like, I, I play drums and I'm crappy at it. I'd love to be in like a real shady cover band. I think that I've always thought that would be so fun to like have a group that you play and perform. Um, and then, and this is going to sound real, very cliche and it might not ever happen, but I'd like to have a private plane. I just, you know, Nothing for, wrong for with a lot that. of reasons. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, look, you know, uh, David Osborne talks about the flexibility it gives him, but some guys just love flying. They just love being up in the air. So good for you, man. And you will have yeah. that private plane. I have no doubt based on the trajectory yeah. you've gone through. My goodness. Yeah. You're, you're, you're tracking toward not away from that. So, very, very cool. On the on the World War II thing, have you ever been to the museum in New Orleans, the World War II Museum in New Orleans? No. I didn't realize the National World War II Museum is there. Uh, I was there for a work trip and somebody told me about it. It used to be, it's where the, the boats that stormed Normandy were built. I forget what those are called, but those boxes that the front door opened up. Oh, and- oh yeah. The, tran- the troop transport crafts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what they're called, but they were built there. A museum was built for those and it kind of expanded and expanded until finally the National Archives or whomever dubbed it the National World War II Museum. It is an emotional experience. Like I've never, I'm not a big museum guy or even a, a history buff or anything, but I did it because I was there and it was unbelievable. So I'm going to. Yeah, yeah the, the last time I was in New Orleans, I was, at, I was stationed at Biloxi, and we did Mardi Gras there, and there was no museum. Yeah, we were just drinking our our butts off. There's one there now, off of St. Peter, I think it is, or something like that. So it was a good time. It was a good time. Highly recommend. But cool. Well, we're gonna wrap this up with a question, a random question from the GoBundance app, the card game, which you can download in Google Play, iTunes, anywhere else that you want to find it. We got the Ace of Clubs. I don't know if you talked about this. So I'm gonna ask it anyway. The question is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Well, when I was real young, I wanted to work at McDonald's because I loved our hamburgers. You got the thing um, going right now. The- right, right? Yeah. You yeah. want fries with that? You want to supersize it? I don't think they don't supersize things anymore. So when I was really little, that's what I wanted to do. And then as I got, when I was in high school, I actually worked for the radio station and I was a disc jockey and had a, had a radio show and it was, it was like, I made minimum wage and had the, was the best job of my life ever. And so I wanted to go into broadcasting and, um, and then promptly joined the military and didn't do that. But yeah, McDonald's worker and then a radio DJ. I love it, man. Incredible. Incredible. Great story. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you, honestly. And yeah, uh, you too, man. Where can people learn more about you? Do you have an Instagram handle, a, a, an email you want to put out there, a website, anything that people can learn more about what you do and, and your companies do? Yeah, sure. Um, you can email me at tdillard at inflowcommunications.com. That's I as an indigo, N as a Nancy, F as in Frank, L as in Lima, O as in Oscar, W as in whiskey, and the word communications.com. Um, you can also go to, go to kadiacapitalgroup.com. That's our, the, in, our real estate investing. And I have an email address for Kadia Capital. I just don't remember it off the top of my head. So. But um, I don't You're have a... That. I'm not like a big social media guy. I have like 500 requests to connect with me on LinkedIn. I probably should, I, I, you know, jump on that. I hired a personal assistant. Maybe she can help me out with that. But um, yeah, email is probably best. Go, Inflow Communications is our website. Um, but yeah, anybody from Go, you know, doors open for anybody in GoBundance. I, I love connecting. Beautiful. Well, thanks again, man. Great connecting with you. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. All right. Appreciate it, Jamie. Take care. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you 
my kind of success. Don't step to me, don't step to me, bitch. Now you can